Hello and welcome to Airing Pain, a programme brought to you by Pain Concern, a UK charity that provides information and support for those of us who live with pain. Pain Concern was awarded first prize in the 2009 NAP Awards in Chronic Pain, and with additional funding from the Big Lottery Fund's Awards for All programme and the Voluntary Action Fund Community Chest, this has enabled us to make these programmes. I'm Paul Evans, and in today's programme I'll be looking at an alternative therapy that's become more widely available in the health service. I'll be honest with you, I don't know whether there is any scientific worth in it or whether it's a placebo effect, but I don't care because it works for me. It's as simple as that. And I'll be looking at how a new website should help health professionals become more conversant with chronic pain-related issues. The British Pain Society has recently done a survey and it shows that, in fact, vets get more education than healthcare professionals. And I'll be looking at the role of the pain specialist nurse in the community. The treatments that I tend to offer in my area of, of the nurse specialist is that I do acupuncture, which involves manual acupuncture or electroacupuncture. I also do trigger point injections to muscles, such as trapezius muscles, using um, steroids and local anaesthetics. I show them how to use things like TENS machines, and then other things are things like relaxation techniques, management advice about the medication, other problems that they might be having with other sleep issues, things like that. Catherine Noor is a specialist nurse in Pembrokeshire, West Wales. She works with people in chronic pain. I joined her at her nurse-led clinic in Tenby Community Hospital. We're doing some uh, treatment this gentleman called electroacupuncture, where we apply electrical current to pairs of needles. The idea behind that is that with long-term acupuncture treatment, what you want is to try and extend the benefit um, as long as you can, obviously, between each treatment. The evidence suggests that the sort of slightly more stimulation produces a longer benefit, so we use um, electrical current to um, incite a deeper stimulation effect. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So we, we obviously target the area where this gentleman's got pain. Um, there are some recognised acupuncture points which overlie the area which we use, but we also use a Western approach which is trigger point needling, which is often over the myofascia points. So we use, tend to use a combined approach, so we use some traditional Chinese points and some Western points, which are the trigger points. How long have you been coming now, Richard? It's quite a while, isn't it? Oh, um, about a few, few years now. I've been a few years with you. I started off with Dr Evans. I mean, the first treatment I had with my GP, and I told her that if I thought it worked, I'd tell her, and if I didn't, I would also tell her. I've lost count of how many pins and needles she stuck in me and God knows what else. And uh, went away from there thinking, well, that ain't much. And the following morning, I didn't even connect it because it just gone from my mind because it didn't do anything the day before. And the following morning I woke up, and I can honestly say it's the first morning for however many years it was, since 1993, that I didn't wake up in the morning and think, oh, I've got to shit up in bed and this is going to kill me. And it wasn't until late in the day that I was feeling better than I thought myself about the day before, and it was good. She gave me an intensive course for a few weeks and I used to go back to her about once a month just for a top-up. And where is your pain? It's sort of a back pain-ish. I described like a toothache pain. You know where it is, but you actually can't put your finger on it. You know, it's one of those, and it would move about and it would be here, there and all over the place, you know. 
you know, because I had my sternum removed. The problem with that being is, of course, bits and pieces move in totally different directions than nature in intended. And the other thing, of course, with no sternum, my clavicles. That's a good word, wasn't it? Yeah. Laying on my side, sometimes they cross over in the night. Well, that's not too bad, but when you sit up, it's when they uncross, it's just like somebody's just hit you in the chest with a sledgehammer, literally. And for those of us who didn't know, the sternum is the breastbone that joins the ribs in the chest and the clavicles are the collarbones. I'm ready to switch on. Yep. So I'm going to do the, the pair and your lower arm first, yeah. Richard. OK, let me know okay. when you uh, we hit the spot. Yeah, got one there. Happy with that? Yep. That's OK. What the electrical current is doing, it's creating sort of a noxious stimulant almost when we do manual acupuncture. I mean, some, some acupuncturists just put the needles in and leave them mm. and some would say, well, that, that's enough stimulation, that the needle's mm. in place. When I did my training, we, we were sort of manually rotated the needle. Mm. We give the manual stimulation, which is what a lot of acupuncturists do. But, but we find, I think, in our pain clinic over the years that by applying electrical current, it seems to last longer between mm. each one rather than maybe with the manual where yeah. you get a few days where it's better. And again, there isn't a lot of scientific evidence to support one way or the other. I think a lot of it is mm. cultural norms and, and yeah. what certain pain clinics have developed. But it seems to work for our our client group reasonably well. I'll be honest with you, I don't know whether the, it, there is any scientific worth in it or whether it's a placebo effect, but I don't care because it works for me. It's as simple as that. It's very small, as you can see, the machine's quite portable, so it can, it can go with me to various outreach clinics, to people's homes if, if necessary. There isn't any evidence to say it's got to be a sterile procedure. In fact, traditional acupuncturists would shy away from a lot of the over medicalization of it really um, I mean certainly we haven't sort of resorted to wearing gloves or anything like that we still very much use the techniques of almost passing on our energy to patients by actually manually physically touching the needle and hopefully transferring our good energy our good chi to get rid of your bad chi it's like anything which has got some sort of mysticism about it there's a lot of charlatans out there which will jump on the bandwagon, pretend all sorts, and then uh, they, they make up more mumbo-jumbo. So then a cynic like me dismisses the whole lot. It's a shame, really, because, as I say, for me it works. And I wish I'd tried it years ago, but then it wasn't suggested to me years ago. It does annoy me that there's not more open discussion about it within the National Health Service and, and those people affected by it, because this lady does a brilliant service. But it would be nice to think she had a bit more assistance so you could get more times, you know. It, it, I can't praise her enough because she squeezed me in sometimes when she's had a full day. For that, I'm grateful. Oh, you're going to start me off now. And I'm sorry to say that Kath's patient Richard passed away shortly after we met. And I'm very grateful to his family for allowing us to broadcast this particularly in that what he says next should be a real wake-up call to some health professionals. Let us know at Pain Concern what you think. I got a bit annoyed. I went to a, a pain clinic eventually in Cardiff. and She put me onto somebody who was in some sort of pain organisation. And I spoke to this person and I was a bit annoyed because she really didn't have any perception of what I was talking about. She wrote me a letter. She didn't actually tell me to her face. She wrote me a letter which said, there's yeah, nothing else she could do because I tried some of her options and they were absolutely either useless to say one thing she gave me. I was probably conscious for about three hours a day in little spurts, you know. 
which doesn't work because it's done hurt, but what's the point? You know, I might as well be dead if I'm going to be sitting like that. There's nothing. And then she said I was letting the pain run my life. The problem that she didn't seem to graft was is because I didn't let it run my life, overdoing things made it worse. That was the problem, and she could not get that, you know. I'm not knocking the health service completely and all the rest of it, but some doctors, they're sort of in a world of their own, you know. They don't, well, they don't see people, they see patients, they see cases, numbers, that's it, you know. I mean, as far as this bypass business, I'm a success because I survived three years. Survive being the word, you know. Different, a lot of difference between surviving and living. And a lot of people in the medical profession don't. It's the old thing, isn't it? You know, never mind the quality, fill the width. I think going back to what you were saying, I think we were talking earlier, weren't we, about perhaps people don't always listen to your, to what you're saying. Yeah. They're making sort of judgments about mm. about your condition or your yeah. pain description rather than actually listening to, to mm. what the pain's doing to your life. Yeah. Is, is, would I, is, that, is that what, yeah. you, know, is that that, what that, you would that's say? That's it, really, you know. Mm. The British Pain Society has recently done a survey and it shows that, in fact, vets get more education than healthcare professionals. Quite frankly, I find that a shocking statistic. Anne Taylor of the Welsh Pain Society and Faculty of Pain Medicine at Cardiff University. The amount of education that healthcare professionals get is not standardised. It's not obligatory that they have pain education within their undergraduate curriculum. And so the British Pain Society has now got a working group looking at guidelines for undergraduate uh, curriculum pain activity, generic pain training with what should be um, achieved by the time the person qualifies in their pain knowledge. And it's ridiculous when you think that 50% of people visit their GP because of a pain problem, and yet, you know, pain is, is so low in terms of educational activity that goes on. I mean, obviously now there's the Faculty of Pain Medicine, which is helping to support and, and educate anaesthetists to manage pain appropriately, but there isn't that kind of inherent in the undergraduate curriculum throughout the UK. Addressing some of those issues, Anne Taylor was the main author and facilitator of the Chronic Pain Directives in Wales, part of which concluded that all healthcare professionals should have access to e-learning about pain education. So she, with the Faculty of Pain Medicine at Cardiff University, has developed paincommunitycentre.org, an online learning facility for healthcare professionals. It is a community for people to share information, to obtain education and training, to look at where certain events are that are local to them so they can make a decision about whether they suit their, their educational needs. So it's a very important resource for helping to support people who don't want to do formal courses and people who have done formal courses and would like to update in their areas of interest and expertise. Most of the media has been developed from the MSc in pain management in Cardiff, so it is at quite an advanced level. There isn't that much that's suitable for patients and carers. So now in 2011, we'll be working with key organisations to actually get some courses on the site that are more bespoke to the needs of patients and carers. And we're following something along the lines of some open university courses that if you're a diabetic, how do you use your insulin pen, how do you uh, measure your blood glucose, which give quite pertinent 
important messages. And we thought we'd look at maybe that kind of approach. You know, how, how do you manage your GP? How do you interact with your healthcare professionals? Basic physiology to help you understand why your back's hurting, how to reinforce your goal-setting and pacing messages. So some of those kind of things we're, we're hoping to host on the website eventually. You know, we're, we're open to ideas because it is a community and we have got email addresses if people want to suggest things that they would like to see on the community site. I tend to find that some doctors that have problems in their own life, whatever they may be, whether they be mental, financial, physical, whatever, tend to be better listeners, better understanders. They've experienced life properly, you know, and there's a lot of doctors that they really think they're one above God, you know. And because they've had a privileged start and all the rest of it, and, and they've just managed to go through life being on that plane up there, which is not quite the same as the vast so, majority. So here's your chance now to talk to an imaginary group of young doctors, young uh, medical professionals in training. Here's your chance to tell them, how should they talk to you? How should they deal with you? First of all, don't talk down to me. That's the most important thing, you know. So don't talk to me as I'm an imbecile just because I don't necessarily know some of the long words. You know, If I ask a question, it's not because I want you to lie to me. It's not because I want you to tell me I don't need to know. It's because I want to know. Now, the more I understand about anything that I do, whether it's functioning in my life or something I want to achieve, the better I can cope with it if it's not right. You know, Just talk to us like people. You know? You know, talk like, first of all, find out what the patient wants from you, I suppose, really, isn't it? People do find it very difficult. I think we all, I mean, even ourselves, if we go and see our GP, we're not quite sure how to find the words to explain. And I think it's sometimes it's not maybe the words, the descriptors. I think it's more important to know how that pain's actually affecting you, what it's actually doing to you as a person. I think that gives you a better insight. I mean, I think as health professionals, we appreciate that pain is miserable and, 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 and we all, although we understand that, we, we're not feeling that pain for that patient. So it's important more to, to sort of explain to the, the, the health professional the impact that that pain's having because that probably is more important in terms of your management of it than actual the severity of the pain because severity of the pain is very, very, it's, you know, it's very difficult to put a number on it sometimes. And people do find that quite difficult because we are very focused on assessing people by numbers and percentages and I think people do find that quite hard because it doesn't always reflect on, on the amount of distress or, or difficulties they're having in dealing with everyday things. So I think just to try and encourage people to just say how, talk about how it's affecting them understand why people have got pain even if it's a very basic understanding you need to know that very few people within who suffer pain fit into a standardized patient group that chronic pain is a multi-faceted phenomena that needs to be managed appropriately using a whole range of different approaches I've done some focus group work with GPs, with people working in the healthcare arena who are not pain specialists. And, you know, they want short, time-delineated, clear educational activity that meets their needs. So what we've done in Pain Community Centre is we've tried to keep all educational activities very short. And you can actually go on the site and say... I've only got five minutes, show me all the activities that only take five minutes and you get a list of educational activities for five minutes. 
and we've actually geared them so they have got very pertinent take-home messages by key people who were practitioners throughout the UK in the hope that because it's short, because it's very pertinent, because they're key individuals that are providing the, the learning, the uptake will be good. So we're hoping that it will have um, a big impact into the improvement in education, which will only benefit, hopefully, patients' lives. I'm Taylor of the Faculty of Pain Medicine at Cardiff University, and that website, once again, is paincommunitycentre.org. There's no gaps in that, paincommunitycentre.org. You're listening to Airing Pain, and one of our aims is to get answers to questions you've raised with us. Here's one. I find TENS machines moderately effective, but have major problems getting the electrodes to stick all day, particularly if I'm also using heat. Does anyone have any ideas? Well, keep listening. Our next consultation at Tenby Community Hospital answers many questions about TENS machines. I'm Kath, and obviously um, we've got you here this morning to show you how to use our TENS machine. Do you feel comfortable just sort of telling me about well, how your pain starts? Obviously, I know you've obviously gone over this with the doctors, but if you don't mind just going over, how it, sure it will be helpful to other people if you feel confident at speaking well, now. I don't know what caused it. It's just probably just life in it. It just mm. went like that and that's it. How long ago was this? Oh, I was, must have been, I'm 50 now, I must have been about... 21 when it started right and I've always been on pills for it right but it just got worse and worse as mm. I was getting older it was just yeah. getting more intense sort of thing mm. and then I had the operation then you had, you've had surgery on your bike yeah I had yeah. a um, spinal fusion right how long ago was that that was four years ago right right and it just didn't make a difference. No, it was you still had back pain. Yeah. You? So what else have you tried? You've tried. You've had injections. I've had. Um, mm. Yeah, I've had injections. Yeah. Acupuncture. Acupuncture. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't help either. Nothing. No. Nothing's done. Nothing at all. And medication. Are you having to take that regularly? You take your med- every day. I've every got day. a. I'm constant on tablets every day. And sometimes I think to myself, shall I try? just one day without taking them, and I just can't. It's no, impossible. No. Yeah. So what, what, what do you say is the, the biggest part of being in constant pain in terms of your... What, 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 how has it affected you as a person and, you, and your family well, life? it's affected my whole life. I don't do a lot in, no more. My husband does everything. He, he does the cooking, the cleaning. He does everything sort of thing, you know. Mm. He helps me when I want to get dressed and things if I'm really on a bad day. You know, you think you get used to it, but you just don't, like, you know, you don't get used to it. You think one day possibly this is going to stop, it's going to end, but you've got to get used to it, and that's it. I think probably there's more that sort of, I suppose, making adaptations, isn't it? Trying to find other ways of coping with it, yeah. Really, yeah, that's why you have got to try try things like this sort of thing. Mm. Because, like I'm saying, if if you're out of pain, because I don't know what it's like to be out of pain now. So if you're just out of pain that little bit, it would be a big thing. If you could sort of have um, a goal or an aim, is there anything that you'd wish you could do better or more? I wish I could just clean up that behalf something, you know. Just to go around with a hoover and things like, Mm. you know. Mm. Like I do try, sometimes I try, and I've got to give it to him and he'll finish it sort of thing, Mm. you know. You're just living on pain, and that's it. That's the only way I can describe it. Mm. So when you met the doctor, did, did you discuss any other 
things apart from obviously the tens machine was was something you hadn't tried and you, you thought it was worth a try. But did he talk about longer term strategies or or management? No, or I think I tried everything to sell it mm. I I don't think there's much else I can't try. Mm. He didn't mention to you about sort of a pain management program or anything like that. You know, have you, did you know? Okay. Mm. I think in the longer term, you know, for what you're telling me about the, the impact it's having on your life, there might be ways of, of trying to help you manage the pain better by looking at how it's affecting you and some of the things that we can try and, mm. and get you to, you know, to work with. And there's a whole programme called a pain management programme that where you would come along and, and be in a group setting. And again, not everyone feels comfortable with that. No, but no I'm not that type of person, to tell yeah, the truth. But usually people, you know, have similar, similar problems. And yeah. sometimes it, you people... Anyway, I'm, just, I'm not going to go on, but I just <laughs> want to put that seed in your mind to start thinking yeah. about that, you know, you're saying you've tried everything, but so that might be a point at which you think, well, I have to, to look maybe beyond getting completely rid of my pain, but actually accepting that, that I have got pain. And I know it's hard... For anyone to say that yeah. but there comes a point which we have to think well we can just give in and say that's it but I'm sure you don't want to do that because you've said you want to be able to do things yeah. you have got goals that you want yeah. to try and achieve and, yeah. and it may be only that small goal that helps you then move yeah. on and feel a bit better about things because I was always active all the time like because mm. after six children you know mm. you're on the go all course, the time yeah. when I was in my late 20s and 30s I used to go aerobics and things like mm. that and I used to because of my back do it as a just walking sort of thing not mm. not jumping sort of thing but just mm. walking it mm. it used to be lovely but now I feel like I can't do anything it's, it's took over my life I can honestly say my thanks to Kath Noor's patient for being so open about her pain condition And sitting in on the consultations and hearing how relationships are being built between her and the patients reinforces the words of caution we give in every edition of Airing Pain. And that is that whilst we believe the information and opinions are accurate and sound and based on the best judgments available, you should always consult your health professional on any matter relating to your health and well-being. He or she is the only person who knows you and your circumstances and therefore the appropriate action to take on your behalf. So what we're going to do today is the machine I'm going to show you how to use is called a TENS machine. Mm-hmm. It's an abbreviation for transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. Long word, so it's abbreviated down to TENS. And yeah. basically what it is, is a little machine that is runs from batteries that emits a electrical signal along mm-hmm. wires that should then attach to sticky little sticky pads called electrodes that stick to you. And the idea is that by applying these pads on or around the area where you've got pain, you create a sort of stimulation that your brain, if you will, mm-hmm. interprets as an irritation. It's very much linked to the theory of this gate control theory, which is the way that we think pain is transmitted um, through the body along the nervous mechanisms. And it was sort of discovered back in the 60s, some scientists did some work and they came up with the idea that by applying electrical current, might create almost an artificial stimulation that the Mm -hmm. brain thinks is something going on and responds to it by releasing pain-relieving substances and also closing off this, what we call this gating mechanism. Yeah. So for some people it seems to work, other people it doesn't. 
everyone's quite different how they use tens some people would say that they probably use it most days that that it's 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 become part of their everyday pain management yeah. strategy other people found that they, they t- sort of tend to use it for those sort of really bad episodes which probably you have these flare up days when mm. the pain goes up a notch and some p- people will say well actually that's when i tend to use it is that yeah, you know i manage my pains all the time it's, it right. doesn't go up or down it's just constant right okay so it may be something that you want to use mm. more or less every day um, is there a particular time of day that you feel is worse Mornings mostly, when the weight tablets were weird off overnight. Yes. And then when I tried to get up in the morning then, right. it's pretty bad then. So you found it sort of getting going in the morning yeah. and, and that's when you're yeah. most... And like all through the night, it's, I'm twisting and turning and right, right. in pain all night sort of thing. Okay. So it, the sort of mornings are the worst for you, but you I mean, you don't sleep very well at night. Unfortunately, no. we tend to not recommend that you use the TENS machine through at the night. night. The reason being is that because of the way it works, that you're not really sort of in control of the mechanisms and the sort of controls. Yeah. And what also happens is the electrode, the little sticky pads that you put on your skin, seem to sort of peel off more in the night. They sort of stick to bed covers, they start curling up. Oh, and right, yeah. So it, it makes it a little bit more messy and it's probably safer to not use it in the night time. Okay. And also we do suggest that if you're going to have a break from using it, you need to have eight hours in within a 24-hour period. So night time's a good time not to have it connected on, really. Yeah. We have to be realistic, you know, that, that it, it's it's not going to completely eradicate your pain. No. I think it's useful in as an additional treatment. Maybe, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that you take painkillers. It's quite useful as an additional add-on, yeah. what we call an adjunct treatment, as opposed to being a total... That's all you have and there's nothing else. Mm. And other ways of help, you know, other ways of sort of coping. It might be that it enables you to do things a little bit more that you've not been able to do as comfortably. You feel better in yourself. You're being a bit more active. You're feeling a bit more on top of things. So there's a sort of twofold buy-off from it, really. And you can control the settings on it. So it's giving you back some of the control over your pain that perhaps you feel you haven't yeah. really got at the moment. No. Yeah. None at all. None at all. Yeah. Right, so we're going to get started now. So to start with, we would suggest you use what we call a direct approach, where you actually apply the pads on the area where you're actually feeling yeah. the sensation of pain. Yeah. It's all across your back, I'm presuming. Yeah, it is, yeah. yes. So we put one pad there, and then the next one we can put either horizontally or vertically connected to it or even diagonally it doesn't matter because yeah. what happens is the area between the pads and underneath is the area that we're going to target do they have to be so much apart or anything? no they can be slightly nearer you can have them um, within say half an inch if they touch each other they get a, they do tend to pick up the the negative and the positive signal gets a bit confused okay. so at least half an inch maximum sort of six inches what we're going to do now is we're going to switch the actual machine on for you you won't feel any sharp thing, don't <laughs> worry. Just a reassure. I know, everyone's waiting, <laughs> tensing up there. I'm going to do it very slowly so that the, the pulsing sensation will come in quite slowly and gradually. Okay. And what I want you to do is to let me know, as soon as you feel something that's not normally there, some kind of impulsing, heartbeat, pulsing sensation, whatever one you want to describe it, let me know. Yeah, it's there. Is it irritating, do you think? Um, no, not really. No, okay. No. The main thing is, I think, for people, sometimes they have this preconception that, that if they turn it on really high and there's a really strong pulsing coming out, it's actually going to make a difference, they're actually going to control the pain better. Yeah. There isn't really any evidence to support that. 
there are some sort of what we call prescriptions that certain types of pain seem to respond slightly better to different levels of, of the frequency settings. Um, but because often pain is very, very, um, there's often some neuropathic element to it, some nociceptive element, most people who've got chronic pain tend to prefer to find their own level, if you will. The good thing with TENS, as I said, is that you, you're in control of it. You can use it whenever you want. There doesn't seem to be any evidence of sort of overdosing, that having a bit too much of it, and it's yeah. not going to do you any harm. Is that all right? OK, yeah, okay. that's fine. All right? Thank you. Now, TENS machines vary from model to model, so we won't confuse you by going at all the various settings. But do make sure that your health professional explains the model he or she recommends thoroughly. My thanks to Kath Noor, specialist pain nurse in Pembrokeshire, and her patients for letting me sit in on their consultations. And that's the end of today's edition of Airing Pain. If you or someone you know has benefited from these programmes and would like them to continue, then please consider making a donation to secure Airing Pain's future. Just go to the website at painconcern.org.uk where you'll find a Make Donation button at the bottom of the page. You can also download all the past editions from there, and if you'd like to put a question to our panel of experts or just make a comment about the programme, then please do via our blog, message board, email, Facebook, Twitter or pen and paper, in which case you'll need the address, which is Painconcern, 1 Civic Square, Trenent, EH331LH. That's Painconcern, 1 Civic Square, Trenent, eh thirty three. 1LH. I'll leave you with Richard, who's 